Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, registration for the April 2020 Uncharted Conference in Greenville, South Carolina. That is our marketing and strategy conference. It's about to open. Registration is going to open for members only on November the 7th. So November the 7th, it's coming up and you're like, Andy, but I'm not a member. Now is your chance. Head over to unchartedvet.com, get an Uncharted membership. Limited spaces will exist for the Uncharted conference. They are going to go fast. Members are going to get first crack and friends of members after that. And then the general public will get whatever's left. They will get the crumbs that are left over. I don't want that to be, you don't want a crumb. You don't, I don't want you to have a crumb. I want you to have a whole pig, a, a pig and a registration spot. That's what I want for you. I don't know what that means. I think we should just move on. Let's head you over to unchartedvet.com and get registered to be an Uncharted member so that you can come to our conference. It is going to be amazing. I would love to see you there. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Don't stop believing Goss. Oh, man. Oh. Don't stop believing, Steph. We can do don't, this. Don't stop believing. That is, uh, that is a perfect song to go along with our topic this week. Oh, it is. It's, uh, I, I feel like a lot of us have been wrestling with feeling overwhelmed recently. Totally. And I don't know if it's uh, just that I'm seeing it more or that I've been really wrestling with it so that it seems more real to me and prevalent or if it's a seasonal thing or what. I I don't know. We had one of our friends in the Uncharted community posting and talking yesterday, and she was talking about, you know, of course – the clinic has been slammed busy and the practice owner has been out sick mm-hmm. and there's an irate, irrational, some might say unstable client writing one star reviews and trying to, you know, tear tear her and the practice down on social media. And her house has been uh being renovated and that's way past schedule. And her two bad kittens turn the faucet on in the unfinished kitchen and flooded it while she was at work and she just wants to go and cry and her question was am i a bad person for taking a mental health day and i had to sit and just process that whole thing and <laughs> the question at the end <laughs> meanwhile while i'm reading this like i i tell you i've been i've been wrestling a bit like when we came back we had their strategic planning session for the Uncharted stuff. We have a vet that's out on maternity uh, leave. And I've been working three days a week in a vet clinic mm-hmm. as and doing my stuff and traveling on the weekends to speak and do, running Uncharted, doing podcasts. Like, it's just, it's a lot. And at the same time, I have two kids that are 8 and 11 years old, and they do between them piano and dance and volleyball and CrossFit for kids and drama. And my wife works full time. And so I, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are like, hold my beer. You got, you got nothing, buddy. 
I and I'm it's not a contest. I know that I am not alone with yeah. feeling overwhelmed and being like, this is insane. Yeah. And so I thought that we would just take some time and lay down an episode on help. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. I I think um when we started talking about this, I think the reason that part of the reason why our friends post resonated with both of us is because it is so easy to empathize because we've all been there. And I think that this is going to be one of those episodes where uh, our listeners are like, are they talking about me? They're talking, shit, they're talking about me right now. Right. (laughs) It's going to be one of those because we can all recognize that. I mean, just in you talking, I'm sitting here nodding going, yep. uh Uh-huh. Hold my beer. Like let's have that conversation. Because I think we do all feel whether we're, whether we're a parent or, or a naughty pet parent (laughs) Or a parent of children and naughty pets. Like, we've all got a lot of stuff happening in our life. And I think that there is truth to the seasonality of it. I think we get through the summer crises and we just compartmentalize so well with everything that's going on in the clinic. And that's just go, 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 go. And then the fall lull starts in. But also in the fall starts all of the personal life stuff. Kids go back to school. We're thinking about the holidays. There's more, um, you know, personal events and parties. And also I have a lot of friends who are still in that season of life. Uh, shouting out to my technicians and receptionists and assistants here where all of our friends are getting married and having babies. And so there are baby showers and weddings, fall weddings. And it's like, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. And so I think when I read the post too, I, I had that same reaction into the question. Am I a bad person for taking a mental health day? And it really, I, I actually, I, I am feeling overwhelmed myself. And so I was just like, God, I know that feeling. Like you feel like you're disappointing people if you think about putting yourself first. And that's a really hard space to be in, but it's also a very dangerous space to be in. And I think it's why it's so important that we have this conversation because I think the answer is, a, a resa- for me, the answer is a resounding absolutely not. No, you're not, you're not a bad person. And I think it needs the conversation needs to be taken one step further, which is to talk about the fact that if we don't take care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of everybody else? Yeah. How do you um how do you know when you're overwhelmed? Oh man. Um I you know, it sounds this is gonna sound really, really silly. Um, but some of the signs for me are when I haven't been outside all day, Mm -hmm. like when I, when I'm feeling really overwhelmed, my natural tendency is to just put my nose to the grindstone and just grind it out. And I, when I have hit the end of the day and I haven't been outside that that's a, that's a big one for me. And the other, the other one is when I. I'm for anybody who's met me. And even if you haven't met me, if you listen to the podcast, I, I smile and I laugh a lot. And so a big one for me is when I think, or someone points it out to me, where is your smile? Like, I haven't, I haven't heard you laugh. I haven't heard you smile. Like that's, that's a, that's a big one. I put on the stress face and um, it's often pointed out to me because I don't have RBF, but like Mm -hmm. when I'm, when I'm overwhelmed, 
like that, the smile disappears. And that's usually a sign for me that's like, okay, I need to take some time for me. How do you know when you're overwhelmed? I start dropping balls. Yeah. Like little stuff. But it, at this point, I, I've, I've been doing this long enough that I, I can see it. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, um, so this is, I, I'm really excited to do this podcast because I feel like I've just come out the other side of a period. So what yeah. happens with me is it's cyclical. So every two to three years, I end up getting really overwhelmed. And the yeah. reason is because I figure out how to handle it. And then, you know, life creeps back in and mm-hmm. I start slowly recommitting to things and, and things build up on my plate and work gets busier. And I slowly build up to the point that I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But then I have a pretty good reset strategy, which I want to walk through today. And then it, but then it starts back over again and I end up being overwhelmed again. So I've gone through this a number of times. For me, I spot it now when I start dropping balls, which means that in, in, within a day, There'll just be like two two things in a day where I just I really miss the trick. And that's mm-hmm. unusual enough for me that I'm like, okay, this isn't right. Or yeah. it'll be it'll be three or four things in a week, even. Yeah. And when I say I missed a trick, I don't I don't mean little things, right? I'm a human being, I make mistakes all the time, but there are mistakes that are normal Andy mistakes. Right. That I make. And there's mistakes that are not normal Andy mistakes. So for example, examples of things that have happened in in the past would be things like the vet clinic calls me and was like, hey, where are you? You said you would cover so-and-so shift today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and, you know, and it just didn't get onto my calendar. Well, that could, I can easily rationalize that and just be like, I didn't put this on my calendar just because I, I, I had a brain fart or whatever. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's not, that's not like me. And if something like that happens and then something else like that happens in the same week, I go, this is, this is not right. And so right. it's an early trigger for me. Um, my friend will be like, hey, we were having lunch today. And it just, again, it didn't get on my calendar or uh, I ended up having to do something else. Or mm-hmm. I just, I'm working at the clinic and I forgot to text him and tell him that I am going to end up being at the clinic because I got a patient that's not going to be good for me to, to leave. And just, I forgot to text him. Those aren't mistakes that I usually make. And so when I start to feel this weird mistake, one, it's a big flag for me because I go, this is, this is not my norm. And then number two, I really feel it affects me because I feel like I bailed on my friend and I do not like, I said, it has been a bad, bad day. The few times that's happened when the vet clinic calls me and goes, you're supposed to be here. Where are you? And I'm grabbing my stuff and running to the door. That's a terrible experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And it affects me enough that I go, okay, I got to do something about this. So those, yeah. those are my, those are my triggers. Yeah, for sure. But I, 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 for sure, like I, I, a big one for me is that I am, I am really usually pretty uh, responsive. Anybody who knows me knows that I have a smartphone <laughs> glued to me and I am usually on it. And when I, find myself um, with a ton of unanswered emails or a ton of Slack messages or text messages from my team or whatever. And I like, that's usually a big sign for me that I'm feeling overwhelmed. And cause I, I, I compartmentalize and I start to ignore because I just can't handle it. And that's usually a big sign for me. Yeah. The, the reason that we're taking time to, to really dig into this and give you these examples that are true for me and Stephanie are because catching those periods of you being overwhelmed early 
is absolutely vital. If yeah. you ignore whatever your signs are, uh, you are headed to a bad place. Like this is how people end up in depression, right? Mm -hmm. This is how people end up in serious burnout. Um, this is how people end up in a place where they just can't see the light or figure out how they're going to get back out. It's because they went through that period of, I'm not responding to emails. Man, that's something I'm really good about. What is going on? They ignored that change in themselves. Right. And then the worst case is you find out you're overwhelmed when something really bad happens, right? We end up really missing something big or we end up just really, um, if in my case, dropping a ball that doesn't bounce back. Yep. You know, the, those are the things that, those are the nightmare scenarios. And so don't blow off what we're saying about thinking about yourself and those, those small flags, because if you, you got to find them, you've got to find them for yourself so that you can do some self-care before you end up in crisis mode. Mm -hmm. And so what we're talking, we're going to talk about some steps. What, what will you do to kind of walk through these things, hopefully without getting to crisis mode, and I'll sort of walk maybe more towards severity as we go on to things where we really we're in crisis and we have to we have to get back out of it. So yeah. let's let's start with that. Um, I know I know how I like to start these things off. Do you have a strong starting place that you want to you want to get to or, or start off with? I, I think um, I, th I think you we just covered the first one, which is recognizing it. Like that, I think that that's often the biggest hurdle for, for me is just saying I am overwhelmed mm -hmm. and, and, and owning that for a lot of people, especially my, um, type a get it done, grind it out people like just recognizing that is often the first step. Yeah. Yeah. It is, is you have to be vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. And say, I have, I have reached my limit. And, and if that's hard for you, uh, and that's hard for me, I'll just tell you that is hard for me. It is hard for me to say, I have reached my limit. I struggle with that. It means that I am a human being. I don't like that. I like right. to believe right. that I'm a superhero who doesn't really need to sleep or eat. I can just work harder if I have to. And, and that's not healthy and that's not true. And so it, it is something that I struggle with. It helps me because I am such a, a pragmatic person, it helps me to say, Andy, you're seeing these signs of being overwhelmed and this will ultimately cause you significant problems and rob you of productivity and put you into a place where you will be ineffective and you will have cleanup to do that will take you more time than if you deal with this now. Right. And so you may say, Andy, my friend, I don't have time to deal with this. I have to push on. The truth is, this is the most urgent problem that you have. And if you do not deal with it, you will be in a much worse spot than you are now. Mm -hmm. This is the blood spurting emergency that comes in the door where you go, I have a lot of things to do. That is the thing that just cut in line that has to happen. And so yeah. that is what being overwhelmed is. So whether you're emotional or pragmatic or whatever, you, this does take priority. And if you blow it off, you do so at your own peril at, for yourself and then also for your business or your job, if that's yeah. the thing that, that you care about. Yeah. So how do you, how do you start? Okay, cool. Once I 
see my flags. I have an exercise that I that I do when I teach. And there's two ways to do it. Um, the first way, the simpler way that I that I teach that I I, I want people to to do okay. is this. So I get uh, I like big sheets of paper. You can use a regular notebook sheet of paper. I like I like the big um, post-it notes, like the mega post-it notes. Mm-hmm. And I make three columns on a piece of paper. And then it takes me a couple of days. I start lists. So there's three lists on on the sheet of paper, right? There's a list. I make a list of all the things that I love to do that I am doing. Mm-hmm. I make a list of all the things that only I can do. And I make a list of everything else that I do, right? And when I'm feeling overwhelmed, I don't separate professional and personal because this is just for me, okay? Right. So mm-hmm. on my recent list, I had, um, I, I include things in these lists that cause me stress. Mm-hmm. If there are things that cause me stress, I make sure to put them in. So a uh, kid transport, uh, um, you know, working at the clinic, uh, the a lot of the uncharted stuff we're doing, the podcast that we're doing right now is on the list because that's the thing that we do. Um, you know, my, dealing with my dog is a thing. So I have a puppy, and he's seven months old, and he's feeling his oats, and he is at that teenage phase, and he's testing me, and his recall is not good, and he likes to run away, right? And it it stresses me out, and I'm and I'm, yeah. and I'm chasing him, and it's always when I'm trying to go to work, so I'm trying to get to the clinic in the morning, and my dog runs off. And mm-hmm. you may be rolling your eyes, but guys, when you're feeling overwhelmed, yeah. chasing after the dog, like that is a thing and it poisons my, my mental state and my cortisol level is up. You know what I mean? And I have to, I have to try to come back down from the stress to get to the clinic where it's a madhouse. Right. right. And so I'm, I make this list of the things I love. Those are the things I don't want to give away. Those are the things that make my life worth living. The things that only I can do. I'm the only one who can go and do a presentation in Houston this weekend. Right. Right. Like that's, I'm the only one who can do that. Um, I'm the only one who can see my long-term clients, whatever it is. I'm the only one who can do this podcast with you. Like it's you and me and we're doing it. Right. Um, and even that's questionable, right? There are, uh, we've got some new episodes coming out before long and you're going to do some interviews of some fascinating people. And that will be some of the things that we're going to try out. So even something like this where you, I think I make this point because I think a lot of things are things that we're doing. We say only I can see my clients. I think you're kidding yourself. Right. You know, I think you're right. overemphasizing your importance here. And the reality is other people could see your clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the, the saying, you know, the cemeteries of London are filled with indispensable men. Everybody thinks they're indispensable, mm-hmm. but you're not, you know, and I don't mean that to be morbid. I just think that we should really think about what could someone else do? What could I really delegate? And then right. the last is everything else, which are things that I, I look at. Someone else could do this. I could delegate this away. Perhaps I could stop doing it. Yeah, I I think that that is, um, I, I love this exercise. I actually was talking about it with someone on my team just this week. And it, I, <laughs> the timing of this episode is so ironic because this, you know, you just came out of the space and I, and I am still feeling very much in the space and it really does help. And so I, I also feel like the lists are important. The other piece of it in terms of list making, besides dividing it into your categories, for me, it's also sometimes it's just giving myself the grace to say, 
I am going to take 15 minutes and I'm actually going to write a to-do list because for me, it's also about prioritizing like what is important and what is not. And I know that when I get overwhelmed, there are often things on that list that are there, but are not really actually at the top of the priority list. And sometimes it, for me, it takes visually laying it all out and seeing it to say, I can actually back burner that thing. Yep. Or, you know, writing a blog post for the clinic this week, not a top priority when I have to hire two new vets. You know, like sometimes it takes just laying it all out and seeing it. And it is, I think, especially for, for us like type A people, it is about taking things off of our plate because if we don't we're just going to wind up right back where we are right back where we are but um it is also sometimes just about laying it all out to see how do i prioritize it yeah i agree so i said there's two ways to do this exercise there's the one that has the three columns i love this i don't want to go anywhere um only i can do this and then everything else and i I like it that way and that's the way i teach it some people are not going to do that in which case I would say, just make a list of everything that you were doing, okay? So everything that you're doing. The the to-do list, I think that's super helpful for getting things down and seeing it. I like this exercise better. So rather than, so I think a lot of people go, well, I need a list of things I have to do. I see greater value when you're feeling overwhelmed of making a list of everything that you are doing, right? right. And the reason right. is because... When we make a to-do list, we're looking at the things we have to do when we say, I have to do these things. There is nothing on this list that I cannot do. And now we're stuck in the cycle, right? But the truth is that may be correct. That may be the stuff that you absolutely have to do. But if there are other things that you are currently doing that you don't have to do, you could give those other things away. And now I'm unloading. And I think a lot of people get stuck in that trap. I have 10 things. I have to do them. And I am overwhelmed and they have to be done. There's nothing for me to do but put my head down. I would say, okay, you've got to break, you got to break this mindset. There are 10 things you have to do. There are also 10 things that you are currently doing that you don't have to do. Let's jettison those things. And now these 10 things fit comfortably in. And so there's so how do we get from the list of all the things I'm doing to a manageable list? And so a couple of steps there. Once we have our list made. Okay. It's like, this is all the stuff that I'm doing and whether it's segmented into your categories or not. Ultimately, the first thing that I do is start to look for places where expectations are out of whack. Yeah. So the first thing that I want to do is say, where are expectations out of whack? Where are places that, um, that other people can take things off of my plate that are theirs. Right. And so, so what I mean by this is, um, one, I tend to expect too much from myself. I tend to have an unrealistic picture of what I can accomplish in a day, and this has been something I've wrestled with forever, but I tend to have an unrealistic picture of what I can do in a day. The other thing is, whether I'm at the clinic or whether I'm at my house and I'm dealing with my spouse, there are other people who expect things from me that sometimes are unrealistic mm-hmm. that they expect them, okay? If I can have a productive conversation with those people and get them to adjust their their expectations or to get them to take some of it back or to get them to work with me, now I'm starting to unload things. So, for example, does your boss or your spouse or your yoga instructor or 
your kid's Cub Scout leader have unrealistic expectations of what you can do in a day. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, my my daughter will come home and she had a teacher and she would come home and she would have a project that was due the next day. And the teacher would have given it to her and say, just by tomorrow, do this. And at some point I would send an email to her teacher and say, hey, listen, I want to be supportive of the projects that you're sending home. We do not have the time in our night, you know, without knowing it's coming to do these projects. Right. And, and that's it. And But people are going, you can do that? Yes, you can do that. And I'm not, I wasn't mean to her. Her expectation based on, I guess, her own life was that I'll send this home with the kids and I'll bring it back tomorrow. It's like, sorry, my kids have these extracurriculars. They have these other things going on. I will help them with the projects and they would do the projects. But a one day turnaround time with us not knowing it's coming, that's not an, that's not a realistic expectation. How can we make this work so that this is more feasible? Mm-hmm. And so go through your list and look for those conversations that you can have, you know, um, we, this week, my wife went away. Um, she, she has a, a hobby that she does on Tuesday night. So she curls, right? So she's the curling thing with the ice, where they slide the rock on the ice and the people sweep. That's what my wife does for a hobby. And mm-hmm. she goes on Tuesday nights and she does it. And so I am alone. I have got the kids. We are, um, we are doing all the things that try to manage the kids. I took my uh, my daughter to a volleyball game that's in another town, mm-hmm. and then I brought her back, and then we did her 20 minutes of reading, what she's supposed to do. I fed the children. Um, I, they had needed showers because the gym was hot, and they were sweaty, and they were playing volleyball, and that that was the night. And so the next morning, we get up, and the first thing that my wife does, and I love my wife to death. I'm not trying to knock her, but she's very much a process person. She goes, hey, girls, did you um, did you study your spelling? Did you Did you do your reading? Did you practice piano? No, you didn't practice piano. Did you guys walk the dog last night? And she's just trying to check and make sure everything got done. But what had to happen was I had to talk to her and say, listen, my son and stars, the one that I love more than anything in the world, I am doing my best. (laughs) And I drove them to another town for volleyball and I fed them and I read with them and I showered them or they showered themselves, right? (laughs) And then it was bedtime. And right. then after they went to bed, I cleaned the entire kitchen. Like I clean. it took me an hour to do the dishes that, you know, to empty the dishwasher and reload yeah. the dishwasher and do the yeah. hand washing and wipe everything down. And yeah. then it was 930 at night and I was tired. And so I know that these are your expectations for the kids. They're, they're unrealistic when we have to go do volleyball. Right. And she said, Oh, I didn't think about that. I forgot, you know, I didn't think about how long right. it would take to fight traffic to do this. I just didn't think. Right. And I hope that this isn't getting to be too abstract. But a lot of times I think people have these expectations of us and they just don't know what we're doing. And so are there conversations that we can have with our boss where we say, hey, I know that you want me to write blog posts as well as see these appointments I just can't, I'm really struggling to see appointments and then sit down and clear my mind and get into a place where I can write these blog posts Mm -hmm. in the short amount of time I have before the next appointment comes in. This is really a bigger ask than I thought. Can we shelf these? Mm -hmm. Can we outsource these? Can, you know, can we block time in my schedule so that I can write them? Yeah. 
And you can go and ask those things. And none of those things are hard. And, and, and I was sort of joking, but it's really not in the way that I talk to my wife is I love you. And I understand where you're coming from. And of course, you know, we do need to practice spelling and I do want to walk the dog, the puppy so that he's not wild. You know, these are the conditions that we're working under. And so it is okay to say to people, the, this is what I'm dealing with. Can we adjust these expectations? Can we come up with another way to do this? Can you remove this from my plate and give it to someone else? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, totally. And I think when I think about it from my own personal perspective, anytime that I have reached, um, even before you reach the meltdown point, which, you know, when, when our friend was writing her post in, and she was like, I had a, I had a full on meltdown. And then I was like, I need to take a mental health day. Even before you reach that point, when you get to the overwhelm, um, the, the place where you're starting to feel overwhelmed, just allowing yourself to say, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I've never once done that and not had people who care about me, even not like it's, it, it should be easy, right? With our spouse because they love us and they care about us. That should be the easiest conversation to have. But even with our bosses or our trainers or our coaches or whatever, even people that we don't have that kind of intimate relationship that we do with our family to say, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need help. I have never once had someone not respond to that with kindness and not say, how can I help? What can I do? How can I, you know, how can I, how can I be there for you? It is just human nature, I think, to hear that and respond in that way. I've never had anybody be like, nope, sorry, deal with it. Like, I just haven't. And maybe I haven't met enough um, jerks in my life. I don't know. But I, you know, like, I I really feel like people, people really um, put on their empathy hat when that happens. And so I think part of it is just stopping and saying, I'm, help, help. I am feeling overwhelmed and being vulnerable to, to do that and, and allow other people to, to help, I think is, is a big part of the process. Oh, I think that's so true. I was me yesterday in the vet clinic talking to the technicians. And if you're a doctor and you have not told your techs, Hey, I need guys, I need, I need some help today. Um, you don't realize how powerful that is. And I have great technicians who, uh, who are just amazing and they care about me. Um, when I said to them yesterday, Guys, we've got three emergency appointments who walked in on top of our full afternoon appointment schedule, and I've got a bunch of callbacks to do. And so, guys, I, I really going to need your help tackling this. They went to work collaborating amongst themselves to get this work done. And so as opposed to me saying everything is on my shoulders, I'm going to tell this person to do this, I'm going to tell this person to do this, pulling them together as a team and saying, guys, feeling overwhelmed. Help me figure out how we're going to get through these things. And then we had a conversation between us, which was fantastic. And they reorganized the work that they were doing amongst themselves and heard what I was doing and what was on my plate and what my priorities were. And all of a sudden, we just went forth and they said, oh, we're going to ask, we're going to ask the other doctor's team if they could take these uh, technician appointments that we had been planning to do. And, mm -hmm. and they can and they absorb these things. And all the work just sort of shifted around. And it was the most amazing experience just to just, just the work just went away. It was incredible. 
but it was saying to them, hey, guys, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I need some help. And the larger scale, we can do that in our lives. And I know that there's probably a lot of practice managers when I was talking about telling the story, the story of my wife and sort of, um, hey, there's un- these unrealistic expectations. Could we take these away? The practice owners go, I'm the owner. No one's going to take my expectations away. And what I would say again to you guys is it's amazing how you can tell your team what's going on and ask them for help. And this is the power of vulnerability, mm-hmm. you know, of just saying, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I need help with. It is amazing how people will step up and help you. Help is an incredibly powerful word. But the other part is you may not be able to delegate a lot of the stuff that you're doing in practice. Right. But that's a great reason to talk to, talk to your spouse. It's a great reason to talk to your kids and say, kids, it is driving me nuts to try to get everyone ready in the morning. I really need help here. How can you better get yourself ready for school? Yeah. So this is an issue. And I, you know, like I've had this conversation with my kids and they, and they'll step up if I just say, guys, I need you to step up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I think that, I think that that as far as reaching out for help and asking people to take things off your list the more you can articulate what those things are, mm-hmm. the more reasonable and feasible that step is. Oftentimes, we are just, all we know is that we're overwhelmed. We are just overwhelmed. And when we're just overwhelmed, there is not enough concrete structure there for people to help us. Right, right. And I think that's why step number one being making the list of what you are already doing is so important. And then number two is thinking about are, are there things that other people can take off our plates? And when you look at the expectations and you think about the list that you've made, when when you have identified those things, it becomes so much easier to articulate. And when you ask for help, not just like have the meltdown and go, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed, but oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. I need help and be able to say, could you help me with this thing? So that when somebody responds and says, you know, it's... um. <laughs> I, I love our, I love our team. I love our community because it, there are so many people in our uncharted community that feel this way, but there have been moments where I have been like, I am drowning. And I know that you guys asked me for these, these things. And I know that people are waiting on me and I am so sorry. And I'm usually coming at it from the form of apology. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm failing other people. The response of how can I help is just it is, it fills you with so much love, but it also feels so much better when you can articulate some sort of answer to them, even if it's small to just say, can you, can, you know, sometimes like I have been there and Jamie, Jamie's really, really good about this. And she asks, how can I help? And sometimes it's like, I haven't been able to answer this email. Can you just email the person back and tell them that I'm working on it and I will get back to them? Like that's something that I could have done for myself, but in that moment, it's one thing that I can take off the plate and ease that pressure and that guilt of feeling like someone is waiting on a response for, from me for this. It really, it really, really helps. And I think that's why having that list is so important. It's, it's just so, it's so important. It just makes it so much easier. Yeah. No, I, I the reasons for me, it helps me to articulate these things. Mm-hmm. And then it um, it helps me give it helps me come up with creative solutions, right? In the short term and in the long term. The longer term is when I take my list, especially if I've broken out and I have a list of things that are not things I love and not things that only require me. Mm-hmm. That's a job description. 
right? I can take things from that list, arrange them, and then give them to someone else as a packet. Or if I'm the manager or the practice owner, I may need a new, uh, I may need a new person. It may be. So Stephanie Goss, we do your list and the things that are not things you love and not, they don't require you. That may become a job description for an office manager who will right. supplement you as the practice manager. And we say, look, we're growing. My practice manager was overwhelmed. Here's the job description for the office manager we need to hire. And that is a personalized job description for your practice. Yep. And people just don't realize how easy that is. And then you go to the person, you say, these are the skills that we're looking for. And this is what we need you to do. And it's incredible. So you can, that you can make a job description that way. You can actually end up turning, you go to one of your technicians and say, Hey, Kayla, I know that you're doing a lot with social media. Your graphic design is an interest of yours. Here are, uh, here is the new Cleveland Park Animal Hospital media, you know, manager position mm -hmm. that we came up with. And here's the five things that we need to have done. What do you think? And now I'm speaking to her clearly. It's not help out with social media. It's here's the job description. And so I, that's why, I, that's why I really do like breaking it out into those three columns because it mm -hmm. helps me give those things away. The other thing it helps me do when I'm looking at my columns is I can get creative. And so I, I gave the example of my dog stressing me out because it's true because he does, he runs off into the forest and I'm chasing him and I'm yelling at him going, come here, boy. And the neighbors, I know the neighbors see me going, come here, boy, to a dog that is actively walking <laughs> other direction away from me. And I look like an idiot and it makes like that by itself. It's not even the, the it's not even the technical part of catching the dog. The fact the dog makes me look stupid in front of the neighbors. That is adding to my stress, right? I am getting that dog trained. Uh -huh. I'm getting that dog trained. He leaves tomorrow for dog training <laughs> camp. It's fantastic. Which, okay, so let me unpack this because this is, I, I, I know people are rolling their eyes. And even if they're not, this may sound weird. This is important. So let me unpack this. I am the best person to train this dog. I have taken many behavior courses and I like animal behavior and I counsel my pet owners on behavior. Mm -hmm. I have looked at fear-free uh, handling. I've looked at fear-free at home. I am the best person to train this dog using positive reinforcement tactics and techniques that I like. Okay. That is true. What is also true is I am overwhelmed and I do not have time. And this dog <laughs> lives at our house and I half-ass train him. And it's not getting the job done, guys. I do not have the time it takes to really work with this dog to get to where we need to get. And as a result, he steals socks and he steals underwear and his recall is not good. And the fact that I am the best person to train him does not matter when I don't have the time or the bandwidth to train him. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want to wait until I have the time and the bandwidth to train him because I don't know when that's going to be. And until that point, he's going to continue to stress me out. And so I am pulling out my checkbook and I am sending him to work with a trainer who I have researched. I took some time and I said, I'm going to figure out who this is. And I asked for referrals and I found the person who used the techniques that I am good with that mm -hmm. I think is good. And he is going to go live with her for a couple of weeks. And then I will get a trained dog back. And people go, that is so bougie. Oh my gosh, that is so terrible. I, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. Why? Because I am trying to get through my day just like you guys are trying to get through your day. Mm -hmm. And I will have a well-trained dog, which will be great. And I have those resources to write that check. Why? Because I'm working all the time. Like I work a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I yeah. can do that. 
and I, I, I hope that, I hope that's okay to say. And I, I and you know, I, I'm just sort of talking off the cuff here, but I'm getting at the at the heart of what it means to be overwhelmed. There's so many of us who say, "But I'm the best person to do this thing. I just have to find time to do it." Guys, perfect is the enemy of done. And sometimes we just need to get things done. And so I tell you this story because it's weird for me, the veterinarian who loves behavior, to have somebody else train his dog. Yeah. yeah. But I need you to hear what I'm saying. I am doing it because I do not have the bandwidth to do it myself. And so it is going to go someone who I don't trust as much as me, but she is going to do a great job and he is going to be fine and I'm going to get what I need and that stressor is going to go away from my life. Mm-hmm. And so think about the things that are on your list that can go to other people. Can we delegate more to our technicians? Could, could we delegate more to our technicians if we did communications training with them? Can I invest time today, tomorrow, this week to work with the tech so that they can take more of my phone calls off my plate? Mm-hmm. so that they can respond to more emails. Mm-hmm. Can I hand off social media? But Andy, I'm the doctor. I need to be deciding what goes on the social media platform. No, you don't. You may have to spend some time working with someone in your practice and articulating to him or to her what you care about so that they understand why we do social media the way that we do. But Take that two hours to work at them and work with them and show them examples of what you're talking about so that you can be done as opposed to you doing social media every day forever. Right. 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 I I think it's counterintuitive. Like when you think about the giant wave that is about to hit you and you think I don't possibly, I don't, there's, it is not possible for me to take the time to train them. Or to research the dog trainers or to, um, you know, figure out what my what my thoughts are about our social media to be able to articulate to somebody else. It It's so easy to just think, I just have to keep running so I keep outrunning the wave. I don't have time to do all of that. And and the argument, I think, from, from both of us consistently is you don't have the time not to because yeah. you're, go- you're never going to outrun it. <laughs> Yeah. You're, this is, at some point you're going to slow down and the wave will hit you. <laughs> this is, this is the passionate point for me. And it's the danger. I think of to-do lists, you make the to-do list. That's putting your head down and going, I have to do this and I have to do that. Make the list of everything that you're doing. And then you have got to see you doing social media every day versus taking four hours you know, two, two hour blocks to work with your technician who's going to do social media. That's a no brainer. But what happens is we say, I don't have time. I don't have four hours to work with this technician. No. So you're going to do spend 20 minutes every day forever on this project. That is dumb. And it's so easy to end up in that spot. And I don't want that for you. And so the list forces you or at least giving you the opportunity to look and say, I know I feel overwhelmed. If I spend two hours and put it on my schedule and block it out to work with this technician, I will then have 20 minutes free every day after that that I didn't have otherwise. And it's finding those things. 
and then making that commitment to get out. Yeah. But you have got to make that commitment to get out. The path out of being overwhelmed is not to put your head down and do the obvious things on your to-do list. The path out of being overwhelmed is forcing yourself to zoom out, look at the big picture, and then put everything else off. You know, if you may, when you're overwhelmed most at work, that may be the time you need to block yourself out and not see appointments for two days. And people's heads explode and they go, that's insane. It's not insane. Yeah. It's strategy. It's an investment. Are you investing into yourself, into your long-term future? And if you're putting your head down and just one step and one step and one step and one step, the answer is probably no. You're not making that investment. And it's, it's, that's how we end up stuck and that's how we end up burned out. Well, and I think making the investment and taking the time and making the commitment to that goes right into another piece of this that I think both you and I feel very strongly about, which is um, taking care of yourself and having the time for self-love and taking the mental health day and doing the things that you need to do to actually take care of yourself, right? Yeah. I mean... Look, guys, one of the things I think that drives us so hard is this belief that we're supposed to be superheroes. And I joked about it earlier when I was like, I don't like to think that I'm human. That's not healthy for me, right? To think to think that way and feel that way. Mm-hmm. We all need to just decide that we love ourselves. And you need to tell yourself, hey, you're good enough. You are good enough. You are a human being and you are working hard and you are good enough. Yeah. And if that means that you have to not do that project, maybe we're not going to renovate the vet clinic this year after all. Right. You know, seriously, mate, I'll tell you this. Um, in my office, I moved into this house like four years ago and the photos, the framed paintings and things, they're still sitting on the floor because I haven't hung them up. And I've looked at them for years and I have felt like a failure because I'm like, I, why, I've got to right. get to that. I have right. got to do that. And so I came to this period of recently of feeling overwhelmed. Do you know what I did? Did I go and hang the things up? No, I did not. What I did was I went and I collected them all and I put them in the closet so I'm not looking at them anymore. <laughs> That's so awesome. It, it is like, and people's heads out there exploded like, but you didn't <laughs> hang them. I don't have time to hang them now. And right. that, when I look at my list of priorities, that is not on the list. Yeah. It is not high enough on the list. Yeah. I will get to them, but I am not, I choose instead to recognize I, this is, this is not making my priority list. Right. It's just not. And no one sees this office, but me. So I'm going to take these pictures and collect them and put them in the closet so that I don't feel like a failure every time I come into my office yeah. and I will get them done. I will, but I am going to stop beating myself up for not having more hours in my day for not being superhuman enough. And I think that that self-love is to take the pictures and put them in the closet and say, I get it. That would be wonderful. I'm not doing that. I am consciously choosing to not do this project now. Why? Because it is part of my plan to do it later. And that my friends, that is the type of forgiveness and empowerment. I think a lot of us need. And so it is that Mm self-love. I am good enough. I am doing my best job. Yeah. I'm going to let go of this guilt 
I'm going to realize that there are things in my day that are, they're simply not going to get done. And I am going to choose to not do them and call it a plan as opposed (laughs) to just feeling crappy about myself and feeling like a failure every day when they didn't magically happen. Yeah. And that, that I think, I think for me, that's one of the hardest parts, like is getting to that, (laughs) getting to that space where you stop feeling like a failure and (laughs) you start saying, let's be real. Yeah, (laughs) totally. That's it. You go from, I failed to put up the photos to my office, my office is Spartan. That's, that's what it is. And I will decorate it, but not, not Today is not that day. Today is not that day because I choose for it to not be that day. As opposed to having unrealistic expectations and be like, somehow I'll get these pictures hung up today or this week. No, you won't. Stop telling yourself that because then you won't, because you feel like a failure. All right. The other (laughs) The other part of self-love for me is to stop fixating on the future. Stop yeah. future casting, right? And so there's a story um, that, I, that I really I really like. So there's a, there's a book and a movie called Lone Survivor. And it's, it's, a, it's a military thing. But um, I, I, I've never seen the movie. I don't know if the movie's any good. The book is, is pretty good. Um, in the book, it's, it's a true story of this guy, and he was a Navy SEAL. Mm-hmm. And um, the part that really stuck with me more than anything else is he was talking about training camp, right? And so he goes to be a Navy SEAL. And the Navy SEAL, they have this training program called BUDS, and it's just awful. I think it's 10 weeks long. It's mm-hmm. just hell. They make it awful. The, you know, the, the Navy SEALs are like the most elite group out there. So, of course, their training is horrible. And the dropout rate is enormous. And very few people make it through, okay? But here's right. the thing. So they have, I think it's 10 weeks. They have 10 weeks, and the last week is called Hell Week. And they just, they, uh, the, the people going through it, they, they don't get to sleep for a whole week. I mean, they, right. they, they do not let them sleep. They work all the time, like day and night for a solid week. Um, it is, it's called hell week for a reason. Okay. And so they go through this nine weeks, which is also awful. Like let's, let's, let's not get that wrong. The first nine weeks is also awful. And there's awful things right. they have to do all the time. And so they get to hell week and it starts. And the narrator, the, the, the guy who's telling the story, he talked about how interesting it was to him that a massive number of people dropped out on the first day of hell week. So the first day they all, they, all these people are just ringing the, ringing the bell that says they quit and they're dropping out. And he said, he thought about it a lot and, and he asked another, another sort of seal instructor. He was like, why did all those guys drop out the first day? The first day was awful, but it wasn't any more awful than a lot of first day, than a lot of days we've had in the past. Mm-hmm. What really is awful in the thing is the fact that it goes on for a week. So why did all these people just drop out the first day? And the instructor said to him, all those guys could think about was that they couldn't keep this up for another six days. Right. Six more days of this is too much. And they broke, not because today was bad. They broke because they couldn't imagine going through the future, right? Six more days. And the instructor had said to him, look, if you want to make it, Focus on what you're doing now and focus on what you're doing in the next 10 minutes. And he said, all I did for a whole week was focus on the next 10 minutes. And that is how you get through hell week. And that story has stuck with me forever. And I, and my, I told it to my wife and we talk about Navy sealing it and Navy sealing it is when I have a plan, right? I'm not flailing. I've done my exercise. I have a plan, but I am focusing on the next 10 minutes or the next half an hour or the next hour. And I am not thinking about how we're going to sprint around all night tonight moving kids. 
Yeah. I am thinking about how I am going to see this appointment and do these phone calls and then get out of here so I can go to lunch. Like that, those are the, those are the three next steps. Yep. And so part of self-care is not future casting, not getting crushed under the weight of what's going to happen or what might happen. Mm-hmm. It's getting a plan, forgiving yourself, being kind to yourself, and then yeah. put one foot in front of the other to do the thing that you decided to do. Yeah. And I, I often think about it and, and that's as very similar respect, um, for those of our listeners who um, have been in recovery or have um, a family member or friends who have been in recovery, like part of the um, NA or AA processes, you um, you take it one minute at a time and you, you don't actively make a choice to do something self-destructive for one minute and then you do the next minute and you do the next minute and before you know it, you've survived an hour and then you've survived five hours and 24 and the time gets longer, but the way that you do it is you do it one minute at a time. And that is that is how I have always <laughs> tried to look at things when I get overwhelmed. I go into that mode of like, I'm, I, I cannot think about any of the other things except for what am I doing right this second? What do I need to finish right now? And then yeah. I'll figure out what's going to come come next. And I think that having that ability to just be okay with looking at it like that. It is a survival tactic. And when you're in that, when you're in that space of feeling like you're so overwhelmed and you're going to have a breakdown, you are in survival mode and it is absolutely okay to love yourself enough to say, this is how I'm going to tackle this problem and to ignore some of the other stuff. And, and that, that was a really hard place for me to come to as a, as a manager, as a, as a human, as a mom who does all the caretaking and does is all the things for all the people. Like when I get into that space, I still wrestle with the guilt of feeling like I'm ignoring the text message or I'm ignoring the, the, you know, to-do list or I'm ignoring the ringing phone, but I have, I have to, in order to in order to truly take care of myself and not have the breakdown, I have to, I have to just focus and I have to be okay with letting all of the rest of it go and, and recognize it is a very, very, it is a very, very hard place to get to, um, to, to be okay with that. And it is, and it is a struggle and it is okay that it is a struggle. Don't beat yourself up. Yep. For I, I agree. The last part of self-care for me is making time to meet with the people who support me. And so what that means is when you are most, say you're a practice owner and you're most overwhelmed, that is the time that you most need to have that one hour meeting with your practice manager. And you go, every fiber in your being is going to scream at you, no, that is terrible. I do not have that time. What I am yes. saying to you is that is the most valuable thing that you can do. Yes. Meet with that manager, take an hour, talk about how you're overwhelmed and what you can delegate and how they can help you get dug out. Yeah. And it's it's incredible how hard we fight that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. circling up again, it was like, I go back to yesterday. We were slammed, walk in emergencies on top of my full appointment schedule and I, my 
my my caveman brain is screaming at me, get into the next room, get into the next room. Right. The best thing I could possibly do was take 10 minutes, pull my tech team together, say, guys, this is what we're looking at. This is what I'm wrestling with. Mm-hmm. How are we going to work together to get this done? And then, and then listen to them and we all talk and then I go into the next room. But while I'm in that room, I have two technicians and an assistant who are running around doing other things, clearing the path out in the future, handing things off to other doctors who, who aren't, uh, who aren't caught like I am in and making things happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've self-love is knowing that knowing that taking time to delegate is time well spent. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think, yeah, I was going to say, I think the last thing that both you and I had had thought of or, and, and talked about was our initial gut reaction when we, when we read our friend's post, which is yes, take a (laughs) mental health day. Take that day. (laughs) You're take it. You are not a bad person. There is, absolutely nothing wrong in fact there is everything right with when you hit that point investing in yourself and saying i need i need a break oh yeah i i thought about kidnapping like if she tries to go to work i will come screeching in in a panel van (laughs) to grab her and take her to get a massage or to take her just to walk her dog. That's it. I'll, right. I'll wear my ski mask and we'll walk her, our dogs together. <laughs> and, 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 and so don't get me wrong. I, I don't think people understand the point of the mental health day, right? Okay. The mental health day is this. We talked in this episode a lot about building a strategy and making a plan and figuring out what we're going to do. Often we feel completely overwhelmed to the point of paralysis. If you get to the point of decision paralysis where you are like, I just, I can't decide what to do next. I am overwhelmed. That that's, that's a mental health day. Like you need, you need to figure out what you're going to do next and how you're going to handle this situation. You need that more than you need to go and punch the clock and bang away. And I'm not talking about just bailing on your team or things like that. But I am talking about prioritizing yourself and saying, I need to, I need to get out of here. I need to get my head straight so that I can be maximally productive, right? Energy management is just as important as time management. And if you've got no energy and you are just in, um, option paralysis, you're not helping yourself and you're not helping anybody else. The practice owner, it is better for you to take a half day and go home and sit with a piece of paper and a pencil and do the exercise that we talked about today and figure out what you're going to do and then to go go run or take a nap, get some good sleep so that you can execute, right? So that you can do the stuff. It's not woo-woo. I, I think mental health day has got this kind of bullshit label of I'm taking a mental health day and it's kind of a joke for like, I'm going to go take a spa day and get a pedicure right. and, you know, and, um, and just do what I want to do. It's like, no, a mental health day has a purpose. It is purposeful self-care to help you get a plan and to get recharged and to get focused so that you can come back and work with intentionality you didn't otherwise have. Okay, let's be real for a second. I'm going to bring in 
the girly perspective. And I'm going to say it, there is this like hippie woo woo. Okay. You can't do those things. And I would also say that for me, one of the single most um, productive ways to actually calm myself and get my head straight. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not much of a girly girl. I grew up with, <laughs> with brothers, but I do enjoy uh, <laughs> taking time for myself and taking a long bubble bath or going and getting a pedicure. And when I can sit there and I can really zone out and I, I'm not in, I'm not at home. I'm not at the clink. Like e- sometimes even being at home is very chaotic. And I look at the that there's crap all over the house and my kids didn't put the game away and there's dishes in the kitchen sink. And all of a sudden I took a mental health day. I said, Hey, I'm not going to go into the clinic today, but I'm, but I am at home and I am seeing all of the stuff that is happening. I still am not escaping that. And so sometimes it is going to that place, whether it's going and sitting on, on the beach or going to the, going to the spa, getting a massage, getting a pedicure. I do some of my, best thinking when I'm on the massage table and I am zoned out and my brain is really disconnected from all of the chaos and stress that's happening in my life. Like I I have a friend who says she has some of the best arguments with herself and figures out the most stuff when she's in the shower and she doesn't set a timer to get out in two minutes and get on with her day. It's like, I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to think whatever that thing is for you, don't feel guilty about finding it and and going for it it does it can look it can look like the hippie woo that everybody makes fun of what it, the the point is is that it has to be a space where you can truly disconnect and 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 rest in yeah. whatever form that looks like for you yeah i know that i think that's a valid point check in my biases you're totally tr- you're totally right it's um Everybody is different in what helps them get into that place. It's the, the big point for me is it's not about blowing off work. It is about getting yourself into a calm, productive headspace mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, and the steps that you need to take for that. Yeah. And if you are a business nerd, like I am, you can look at that and say, that's a, again, it's a good investment. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't invest into ourselves. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's it's so hard. It's so hard to get to that space where you're like I'm going to make that investment in myself and I'm going to take the time, but it absolutely pays off exponentially when you can stop living in fear and panic and just be so reactive and just flailing around like I I have to figure this out I have to get yeah. all these things done because when I'm when I take a step back whether it's time or whether I get over the hump and I have the ability to take the step back and get perspective and I actually look really critically at, at myself I was so unproductive during that time frame because yeah. I, I like I thought I was getting a lot of things done but I wasn't really because I was so I was a spastic mess yeah <laughs> you know we- we mistake being busy with getting things done. Right. And when we get into that overwhelmed state, we flail. Yeah. And that's what you see. You see people just flailing. Yeah. And that is a waste of energy and time. And honestly, they're, they're probably ticking off the people around them because they are 
not effective. They're not efficient. They're not actually getting anything done. They're just yeah. bringing a lot of emotion and a lot of uh, loud noises to everyone else's world. For sure. So anyway, that's that's what I've got on feeling overwhelmed. Have you got any parting words? No. I I think uh, I think we hit it. Take 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 a mental health day. Take care of yourselves. Yeah. Recognize that it is okay to say I need help. I am overwhelmed and I need help. And and then figuring out what you need to do um, and h- how to articulate that for yourself. What exercise is going to help you get there? But you have to get to a a point where you don't just say I'm overwhelmed, but you're actually truly constructively saying I need help and this is what I need. For me, the, the, the two things I want people to take away, figure out what your flags are that indicate you're, you're starting to get overwhelmed so you can do this earlier rather than later. I mean, I think that that is the biggest thing. And the mm-hmm. other part, and this is really challenging, we've got to come to believe that taking time to plan is better spent than continuing just to flail and try to knock out the next thing on our list with our head down. And that doesn't, it doesn't feel that way in the moment, but that is really the skill that makes it or breaks it. Do you believe that you taking two hours and a pen and a piece of paper and figuring out what you can give away, what you can shelve, what you can hire a dog trainer to handle. (laughs) Do you believe that taking that two hours is an investment that will pay off? You've got to believe it. You've got to come to believe this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Steph. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Yeah, you too. And that is our episode. Gang, I hope you loved it and got a lot out of it. As always, if you have questions for me and Steph, Fire them away. The email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And I can't wait to be back with another episode next week. Talk to you then.